Well, hey, good morning. Hey, hey, hey. Thank you. Well, as you all know, we are in an amazing summer series found in the Gospel of Luke. And the theme of our series is finding, I mean, learning from Jesus. And so, as I don't know, many of you may know me well or or know me a little, but one thing about Dennis L. Hall is that he loves himself some Jesus. Come on. He loves himself some Jesus. So, So this is exciting for me to be able to share on learning from Jesus and also um, that this will be the theme for our entire summer, and especially as we study Luke. And I want to give a little bit of background on Luke, um, the Gospel of Luke. We all know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, Luke was this amazing author that was, in the New Testament, was the only non-Jewish author of, of any of the letters or any of the Gospels. And so Luke was a Greek physician. He was a doctor. So he was very well learned and he had an amazing interest in history. And therefore, his writings, um, and even when you see it in the Greek, it's probably some of the most complicated Greek and most uh, elaborate Greek um, because he is so intelligent and he writes so well. But he also had a heart for the narrative. And so his, his main point when he writes the gospel is that it's in chronological order. So Luke is very um, bent on doing things in order and being narrative in his writing. So, I mean, I think that's important to know about the author of which we're going to be on sharing today. Also, Luke, which I like, emphasizes women in the gospel. Yes. He emphasizes how Jesus lifted up women, lifted up females. And we see this right from the very beginning of Luke, where he starts out the whole narrative of genealogy, and he does it from Mary's perspective. So Luke does the genealogy perspective from Mary. But Luke goes on and just really shows how women were an integral part of Jesus' ministry, and how women actually um, were given the level, the same level as men. For example... In Luke, we find that um, Mary and Martha, the story of Mary and Martha, and Martha gets mad at Mary because she's not doing uh, all the things that Martha was doing. But in that text, it says that while Martha was working, Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Well, you know, to us, that would just seem, you know, she's sitting down. But back in that day, sitting at the feet meant you were a disciple. It meant that you were learning from the rabbi. So for them to say, for Luke to say that Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus was actually saying, putting her in the status that she was able to learn from a rabbi. That was a no-no in that day. Only the rabbis would only teach the men. And then the husbands would go back and teach the wives. But here, Luke was so bold to say, because Jesus was bold, to lift up and elevate the status of women. Come on, we need to hear an amen on that one. <laughs> and, 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 and so Luke, we see, uh, he emphasizes, you know, he shows, you know, with the resurrection that the women were the first to see Jesus. Women were the first evangelists to tell about Jesus' resurrection. The women were there when Jesus was crucified. The men ran away. 
And we'll also see in this text how he talks about how the women were the ones that supported Jesus' ministry. Come on, y'all. I mean, the women were entrepreneurs back in that day, so much so that they were supporting Jesus' ministry. Um, I mean, which is amazing. So, so Luke was just this amazing author, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, but still able to use his giftedness to bring to our Holy Scriptures. And I'm excited that we're doing that, um, studying the, the Gospel of Luke all this summer. Um, Part of what we're going to talk about today is just, as, as was shared earlier, we're talking about the parable of the sower, which of course is a, isn't, shouldn't be the right name because it's really talking about the parable of the dirt, right? Because the emphasis that we'll soon find out isn't so much on the sower who throws the seed or the seed, which is the word of God, but it's more on what happens once that seed is thrown. And so the story really is centered around our hearts, around dirt. Isn't that something? And so it's, it's going to be exciting to, uh, to see how Luke deals with Jesus' explanation of our hearts and how we receive his word. But I have a question for you, because in this par- parable it emphasizes our hearing. So I want to ask you, how many of you have ever been in a situation, especially us husbands, where our wives have asked us things like, dear, will you take out the garbage? And you hear it physically, but somehow it doesn't get done until like three days later, something like that? I mean, so isn't it very well possible students That you can be in the classroom, and though you physically hear a lecture, and you can even nod as if you understand, but somehow when it comes to the test, it's not there. Okay, I'm going to even take it even closer to home. Okay, maybe even some of us right now in the sermon. (laughs) You can physically be sitting in your pew. And physically have your eardrums and tympanis, and I can't remember all my biology, all that stuff working. But are you really hearing? And when I mean say hearing, I mean is it really being digested? Is it really being taken serious? And so we really want to talk today, and I believe God wants us to, to hear about what he has to say about us hearing. It's more than giving acknowledgement of. It's more than nodding our heads and saying, yes, God. But God is asking, do you really hear? Let's pray. Word of God, speak. Let it pour down like rain. Father, thank you for the revelation that you give us of your word, of yourself. Lord, open our hearts, open our eyes that we would see, open our ears that we would hear all that you would have for us. Thank you, God, that you chose us. Lord, you chose us in your sovereign grace, God, that we might have ears open to hear your voice. 
So Lord, may we, even now, focus our hearts, focus our minds, Lord, on all that you would have us. Father, empowered by your Holy Spirit. Father, we know, God, sometimes it's impossible to truly hear because a lot of times we don't like it. But God, may the power of your Spirit reign on us today so that we will receive all that you would have for us, that you will be glorified. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you please turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verses 4 through 21. And it's page 1087, 1087 in your pew Bibles. That is Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 21. And that's page 1087 in your pew Bibles. I will read for us. When a great crowd gathered and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow a seed, and as he sowed, some fell on the path and was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered for lack of moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it. Some fell into good soil, and when it grew, it produced a hundredfold. As he said this, he called out, Let anyone with ears to hear listen. Then his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But to others I speak in parables, so that looking they may not perceive, and listening they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones on the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who when they hear the word receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe only for a while and then a time of testing fall away. As for what fell among the thorns, These are the ones who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. But as for that in the good soil, these are the ones who, when they hear the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patient endurance. No one, after lighting a lamp, hides it under a jar or puts it under a bed but puts it on the lampstand so that all, so those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be disclosed, nor is anything secret that will not become known and come to light. Then pay attention to how you listen. For to those who have, more will be given, and from those who do not have, even what they seem to have will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, But he could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. But he said to them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. This is amazing context in which Jesus speaks, in which he starts to share this parable. And I think it's really important to share this before we go on to the text. First of all, Jesus 
before he even says this parable, have already had several clashes with the religious leaders. Jesus has already been in confrontation with the Pharisees and the scribes. And so they were already on bad terms. Well, meaning the scribes and the Pharisees were on bad terms with Jesus. A matter of fact, they were in such bad terms, they had already determined, Matthew says in Matthew 12, that they had already determined to get rid of him. So just think, Jesus already knew that he was in this bad relationship with these religious leaders. And Jesus continues to, to go out and preach. Because it says, starting in verse 1, we start in verse 4. In verse 1 of 8, it says that Jesus went through all the different areas, and some think it's Capernaum, that he went out preaching the good news of the kingdom and the gospel. So Jesus, though he was threatened by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders, Jesus continues to go out and he preaches. And it says that a great multitude from different areas came out to hear him preach. It also says in the Gospel of Mark that Jesus actually got out on a boat to preach because there were so many people. Verse 3 and 4 talks about the women that I talked about earlier. That as Jesus went out um, to preach the good news, it says... Along with him were his 12 disciples, but also there were a group of women. Uh, one of those ladies that it mentions was Mary Magdalene, who was what demons were cast out of, seven demons were cast out of. And also it was Joanna, who was the wife of one of the assistants to Herod. So we see here Jesus is out preaching the gospel, sharing the good news, and then it says that he starts to speak in a parable. Now, this is the first parable of the New Testament. And this is seen in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And a parable is a story that represents an important biblical kingdom truth. But the parable, what makes it so different, a parable is used to reveal a spiritual truth, but it's also used to conceal a spiritual truth. So Jesus uses this storytelling to reveal himself to those who are really hungry for him, but he also uses it to be in compliance with the prophet Isaiah. He uses it to conceal this gospel truth. Because how many of you know that many of the folks today, a lot of people, there, Jesus would gain a great crowd if Jesus was doing tons of miraculous activities. So people love to come and follow Jesus if he's going to do something for them. Isn't that true? I mean, it may even be true of some of us. Maybe that's why we love him so much because what he can do for me. What have you done for me lately, Jesus? And so Jesus discerned this among the crowd, among the multitude, and he started to, his teaching started to change. So before he would teach the multitudes, he was more direct. Like we see in Matthew when he taught on the Sermon on the Mount. You know, that was more directly as he was talking to the multitudes. But here, after Jesus goes through all these various uh, clashes and goes through all these various things, and he, and he discerns that people's hearts really don't want him, but they want the stuff, and they're, you know, they're more selfish in their following of him, Jesus changes his type of teaching to a parable. And this parable, again, is, serves two purposes, to reveal, yet also to conceal. And so we see in this parable, can we put the scripture back up? 
Jesus himself, this is, the, this is like the easiest sermon to preach because Jesus preaches it himself. He gives the answer to the parable. But what's so interesting is, I want you to imagine yourself back in that day and even imagine yourself as a disciple. Because at that time, the disciples didn't even understand the extent of the parable. Just think, you have seen Jesus do miracles. You've seen him um, talk about the great kingdom of heaven. And you, talk, you see Jesus talk and, and share about love your enemies and all those kind of things. Then all of a sudden, Jesus rips out this story and starts talking about farming. See, we have an advantage because we have the scriptures and now we have the Holy Spirit. But just think if you were in that crowd and all of a sudden Jesus, you know, you're thinking he's going to say something profound. You're thinking Jesus is going to talk about, you know, something about the armies of heaven. They're going to come down and tear up Rome. Then all of a sudden Jesus starts talking about farming stuff. He starts talking about soil. And he starts talking about the sower and the seed. And, and I'll be like, what? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I mean, okay, yeah, that makes sense. You know, if it falls on hard stuff, it's not going to. So even back at that time, the disciples, they didn't get it. And so they had to go to Jesus. And they said, Lord, what does this all mean? And Jesus explained to them how now I'm going to change my pattern of teaching to the multitudes. Now I'm going to start teaching them parables. And actually in the Gospel of Luke, there are 18 more parables than any other Gospel. Jesus uses this, this, this amazing, powerful venue of story in order to reveal to, mo- to some, but conceal from most. So we see, you know, Jesus talks about, first, the sower. And it's really, as I said before, this this is a misnaming because this isn't the story about the sower. Because the sower can be a preacher, the sower can be anyone that shares the good news, right? So so, so the, the sower is just the person who is telling about the kingdom or the gospel. And Jesus, being the great master teacher that he is, is giving an illustration of what he's doing. And so he's saying, the sower is just to throw out the seed. So this is a good word for all of us, those of us who like to share Jesus and like to share our story and like to share about the kingdom. Don't get discouraged when you don't see people come to Christ or you don't see people's lives change. Because Jesus was in the same boat. Jesus here is saying, all you have to do is be faithful to what God has called you to do. And as a sower, all you're called to do is throw the seed. You were never meant to stand there and watch and say and, and, and be bent all out of shape when people don't do what you tell them to do or, or suggest for them to do. All you're supposed to do is throw the seed. That is the purpose and the job of the sower is to be faithful to what God has called. So I want you to be encouraged, those of us who love to share about the Lord and share our testimony and share about the kingdom, and we see that no one's life has changed. I used to have that struggle when I first went into ministry, when I was preaching. You know, I would preach up a storm. I had studied all week. And then I'm like, wow, are people getting it? You know, some people would and some people wouldn't. 
But I wanted so much control. I wanted everyone to get it. How come they see how I exegeted that Greek? How come they couldn't see I did that marvelous word study? How come they couldn't see I gave that beautiful illustration? I, you know, I was just thinking the whole flock of the church would come down and say, Oh, yeah, I want to recommit my life to Christ. But as I matured in the faith and found out, that's not my job. My job as a preacher of the gospel, my job as one who sows the seed, is just to be faithful in sowing the seed. And what's so amazing, this text isn't totally about the word, but Jesus does say the seed is the word of God. And so, yes, you know, some people really put so much on the word. See, I'm one of those people I really believe in in, in errancy of the scriptures, and I'm very orthodox in that, but I don't worship the Bible. And so I don't think this, the Bible has like this magic. And so Jesus is saying, I've thrown out this seed. I've thrown out the word. I've given my teachings. But there's people whose hearts are so hard, the seed just lays on top and the enemy comes to get it. Jesus is saying, I've, these multitudes are coming and they've heard this rich teaching. Can you imagine? Jesus is probably the best, well not probably, is the best teacher there ever was, right? He is truth, teaching truth. Yet people didn't accept and receive it. Yet we get down on ourselves when we throw out truth and they don't. Yet they didn't accept him. But he explains why. Because he says, it's not about the sower. It's not about the word. Because the word is truth. The word does have power. But it's about the soil. (laughs) I know that's a hard one. But it is. It's about us. It's about, are we receptive And are we hearing God? I mean, Jesus emphasizes, he goes, those who have ears, let them hear. I mean, Jesus is saying, if you have any gumption, any any type of devotion or heart for me, hear, open your heart to receive what I have to say. But he gives warning, he says, if you don't, this is what happens. You'll be that hardened heart. Where the word comes and nothing, it just goes on top and the enemy comes away and there's no transformation. Or you'll be like the one where the seed falls on the rock and you take it with joy and you see people, they're excited about it. But then all of a sudden when something bad happens because there's no roots and there's no moisture, it dries up and it withers away. Or he says it will be like the thorn which grew up with the plant. And because of the cares of the world, we get swept away with things other than Jesus and other than the word of God. Jesus is giving warning to his disciples. And it comes in two ways. He's, he's warning them in terms of them being teachers, but he's also warning them in terms of being the soil. Because you know what? There was a guy named Judas. We all know who Judas was. He was a man who heard the teachings of God himself. He was the man who probably slept near Jesus. He was the man who saw the miracles. He was the man to see Jesus walk on water. He was the man to see Jesus raise somebody from the dead. Yet somehow his heart was hard and the seed did not take root. But then there was also a guy named Peter, 
who was so quick to say yes and so quick to say hallelujah and so quick to follow all the signs and wonders and so quick to say, God, I'll die for you. I never deny you. And then hours later, he was fishing because the seed didn't take root of the master. So I believe Jesus was speaking both as a teacher and illustrating to them to look at his life. Yes, I preach truth. Yes, the seed that I preach is rich and powerful and will change and transform lives. But not everyone that the seed indiscriminately is thrown will receive and will grow. And that's God's problem, not ours. But then what about... The seed that falls on good ground, the prepared soil, the soil that, is, that, that has heard the word, but not only has heard the word, but, but, but has caught, counted the cost of what it means when God speaks and when God shares. I mean, we, 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 we can hold the word in our intellect, yet it never goes to our heart. And so it never transforms us. It never changes our behavior or changes our attitude. But there is a place where the ground is good and the word of God transforms. What can change you but the word of God? But it must be on soil that has been plowed and prepared. It must be on soil that's humble, a soil that is willing to, to die in order that fruit may be produced. When seed is planted on good soil, when adversities come, When things come and try to detour and detract and distract, there's a power that doesn't come from the soil. <laughs> because all we did was make it receptive to the seed. But there's a power that comes from that seed that will bear fruit in the midst of trial. I have the honor to introduce Nick Yaw, who God has been using as an illustration of one who has gone through, yet has been able to stand because of the word. Thank you, guys. Hello. Uh, I came today to share my story of fighting cancer and God's grace. My battle against cancer started in December of last year. I had a lump in my throat, so I went to see an ENT. And as soon as he saw it, he said, we're scheduling you for surgery. I wasn't very scared yet, as that came later. Before the surgery, Dennis and other members of our church came by and prayed with me. The day of surgery, Drew came to the hospital and prayed before I went under. Thank you again to our pastors. Eight days later, the results came back from pathology, and I had cancer. I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in my throat. 
my heart sank like a stone. My wife Jessica and I had just had a, a daughter. She was only three months old. And Jessica looked after both Meredith and I during chemo. I had a full plate at the time with work, school, taking care of a newborn, and all the responsibility that comes with that. I saw an oncologist the same day of getting the results, and was, we discussed a course of treatment. I was only stage one, but this is where things started to get tough. I talked to a few people close to me and tried to get an idea of what to expect. Nothing could have prepared me for what I was coming. I worried and I was anxious. In times like these, I turned to the Bible to learn how to put my faith into action. Matthew 6:34 Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So the chemo treatment started, and I've never been so sick. Unable to get out of bed for about a week after treatment, I had plenty of time to read, sleep, pray. Spending so much time thinking about such a heavy topic like cancer was difficult, and it was obviously wearing on me. The chemo nurses could see it all over my face as I was crying because my hair was falling out before my second chemo treatment. One nurse, who could have been a messenger for God, told me, people with a strong mental focus and strong beliefs do much better during their treatment. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, Humble yourselves, therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. The treatments went on and did not get any easier, but I still had hope. The meal started to show up for members of our church, arranged by Jean, and I felt that they were expressing their love of Jesus Christ by putting their faith into action, which made me think of James. James 2:15 and 17 says, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but, nothing, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. I had to remind myself daily of Matthew 6.34. I was so sick that I couldn't think of the next chemo treatment. I could barely think about the current treatment. I thought, how am I going to do this? So I prayed to God to be my rock and show me a way. I told God, I will deal with tomorrow, tomorrow. Just be my rock and get me through this. Time passed, as it does, and I still continued to hope. God's timing rarely matches mine, but behold, he saw me through. Finally, the treatments came to an end. Having a community in our church, my family, and our faith were the greatest blessings. I stand here today cancer-free. I have more hope for the future than ever. I will never forget the kindness and love shown to me by College Hill Presbyterian. Thank you, everyone, again for your prayers. Your support means so much to me and my family. I don't pretend to understand God's plan, When I am in the dark or confused, that's when I turn to the Bible for guidance. 
The strength of Jesus and his apostles has kept me strong. I would be a fool to think the Lord and his angels are not with me. Thank you. Isn't that amazing? Look at what the Word of God does in good soil. See, for me, the miracle isn't so much. And, and, and if you were at my church, when I was pastoring, we'd be, dan- we'd be running around. When someone said they got healed, oh yeah, we know how to celebrate. And it did happen. We had healings. But the miracle is how he went through. The strength that comes from God through his word. That's powerful. Just imagine if he was one of those folks that Jesus talked about and their hearts were hardened. And there was nothing to hold on to. What do you do? Who do you hold on to? There's power in God's word. But God's word is highly effective among God's people who are humble in heart to receive all that he has for us. Jesus shared this parable, I believe, to to illustrate to his disciples, to illustrate to them that there were parts of their lives that maybe the word had not gone deeply. And so I'm asking that even of us today, is there some part of our lives? See, we may be overcomers and and saying hallelujah to this part of our life, but maybe there's another part of our life that we haven't completely given over to God. That we haven't allowed the word of God to germinate and to go down deep in the roots so that it might bring life. See, because there's a lot of folks in here, because I've been one of them, that has been hurt, that has been, you know, talked about that's been abused and all those kind of things and and sometimes that trampling on that ground causes hardness and then the seed and the word of God comes on it and nothing happens there's no transformation the unforgiveness is still there the bitterness is still there and I believe God today is saying you have an opportunity to humble our hearts So that the soil will be cultivated because God wants to bring healing. There is power in God's word. There is transformation in God's word. But it has to be on good soil. We have to allow God to work his life in us. See, having the good soil isn't all about our working and striving. Oh, I better make myself clean so that God can work. I better do this to myself. No, no, no. It's us all about receiving God's grace and his love. And his forgiveness would transform our soil. This is our challenge today, church. 
We're already in the kingdom, many of us. But I believe there may be aspects of us still that we need to submit to the authority of God and his word. And God is saying today, like he said in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden and, and struggling. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he says, come and learn from me. Learn from Jesus, he says. Learn from me. What an opportunity to be made whole. And then lastly, I just want to talk about the lamp under the jar. Because that still goes part of the text. Jesus gives us at the end of this parable. And he's, and he's telling his disciples that when you have good soil, you cannot hide the light that comes from the fruit that God produces. Nick cannot hide the light of the glory of God from being healed from cancer. That glory must shine. You cannot take it under and put it under a bushel. When God produces the fruit, it will be revelatory to the world. And then Jesus finishes when his, his mother and his brothers come and Jesus says, you know how you become my family? How you become homies? Those that hear me. <laughs> but not only hear me physically, but those that do my will. Then you are my mother. Then you are my brothers. Then you are my sisters. May God be glorified through the power of his word and through the obedience of his people. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for the testimonies like Nick and and Donna Pessinger and, and so many others, God, whom you are miraculously touching their bodies, creating wholeness. God, and others, you are miraculously healing emotions. Lord, you are bringing folks together that may have been separate. God, you are doing mighty things right in the midst of us. And God, we give you praise. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that it is powerful and active like a two-edged sword, and it does divide. Lord, thank you, God, that you give us your word, God, that it might perform things in us. God, it doesn't always seem comfortable, God, but if we allow you to work, God, you will transform us more into the likeness of Jesus. God, have your way in this church. God, may College Hill Presbyterian Church, be good soil, God, that when you speak, we will do it, God, that it will go down deep, God, that when the winds come and when society starts changing laws and when society starts saying that churches can't do this and Christians can't do that, God, we will remain strong in the midst, oh God, of persecution, God, in the midst of trial. God, may we be a church that be a lamp on a hill, oh God, not to be hidden, all because we bear the fruit of the glory of God. Let it be, God. Let it be. 
Lord, we don't want to play church. God, we don't want, Lord, just to have a surfacy type of relationship. God, we don't want to have a rocky relationship or one filled with thorns. God, we want a rich relationship with you. We know your word, but we also do your word for your glory. Let it be, God. Lord, may we be sharers of your word. But God, may we not so hold on to it that we're so nervous and scared. But God, may we throw the seed. Throw the seed. May we be obedient and make disciples for your glory. Father, we lift up those that are sick and infirmed among us, God. Lord, as Nick shared, God, may we be you to them. May we come and visit them. God, may we bring food. And God, may we be a comfort to them. Lord, and we pray that you would heal them. Lord, by the power that is within you, God, that you give authority to us, God, may you bring healing and restoration to those according to your will and your purposes. Sovereign God, Those who have lost loved ones, be their present help in their time of need. Be their comforter. Lord, when all the flowers and all the cars of God are gone, Father, may you be their, their love mate when their bed is empty, when the chair is no longer filled. And Father, we pray for our community. Lord, we pray for those that have not. Father, we pray for those children, God, who may not be getting the quality education, God, that that you, O God, would desire for all your children. Father, make us be the light. Father, equip us, God. Show us how to be that foster parent. Show us, God, how to come alongside. God, show us, God, how to sow the seeds, O God, that you would bear the fruit for your glory. We commit this all to you. In Jesus' name, amen.